Hi, this is Dana Stevens, Slate's movie critic, and I'm here with a Slate spoiler special of Borat. Help me with the subtitle here. Cultural Learnings of America for Make Benefit Glorious Nation of Kazakhstan. That's it. <laughs> and I'm here with Mike Pesca, NPR reporter. Hi. Hi, Mike. Hi, how are you doing? Pretty good. Okay. Uh, so we both saw Borat in the past week, I guess, not together. Both had <laughs> intense reactions to it. Can you just give me some, some preliminary feedback? Did you like the movie? I, if the purpose of a comedy is to laugh, I laughed. I laughed long. I laughed loud. And the whole theater was rollicking with some of the deepest laughter I've ever heard in a theater. And yeah. I saw it in a theater, not a screening room, and that makes a difference. Right. But wow, the crowd loved it. Oh, yeah. I saw it with a press screening audience, which is a pretty tough crowd to get really seriously screaming with laughter. And it was it was a totally yeah. rocking house the whole time. And the press, and that stands in, is the press overall has really loved this movie to a surprising degree. Yeah, you made the point that uh, that... Everybody loves this movie. For a movie that was designed to offend the public taste as much as possible, it's been a clean sweep among the critics, practically. Yeah, this is uh, the statistic I found was before I came over here to do this review, I looked it up on Rotten Tomatoes, where they have a compendium of all reviewers, and it is the best-reviewed movie of the year that's not an art house movie. So there are four or five documentaries or foreign films, but 95% of critics liked it, and they liked it to a strong degree. And so why is that? Like you said, it's supposed to be so offensive. I think probably because we're all uh, rebels now. And I've, I've read a good review saying, you know, in the, the way the current culture is, we all want to be Groucho Marx. You know, the trick is coming up with the... Uh, the Margaret Dumont. Margaret Dumont, the lady we can offend. Right, exactly. Right. Where's what happened to the staid bourgeoisie that you can so easily shock, right? Well, do you, would you say that <laughs> makes the movie a failure as a shocker? I mean, if it fails to offend the public taste and pleases everyone? No, I think that, you know, it still isn't the kind of movie that you could show... <laughs> really without massive edits on television. And the director of the movie is a guy named Larry Charles, and he was uh, one of the primary minds behind Seinfeld. But his scripts were always the ones that were a little edgy. And there was one that even went into production, I know from watching the DVD extras that, uh, on Seinfeld, all about a gun. And it was so dark, you know. But that's, Larry Charles is really, really funny. Seinfeld's the most successful sitcom in terms of money made ever. But he would always want to go a little bit darker. And so I think that that's a lot like what, the, what you have here in this well, given the movie. Dis- his step in between Seinfeld and directing this movie has been uh, a lot of work on the Larry David show, Curb Your Enthusiasm. It seems like he's sort of moving more and more in an offensive and cringeful direction. Into the comedy of cringe, exactly. Right? Do you want to talk a little bit about what is so cringeful and offensive in the movie that has people screaming with, with shocked laughter? <laughs> well, if you've, if you've ever seen Borat on his TV show, his modus operandi is to side up to a person as the innocent outsider, like a version of uh, Latka Gravis, who was foreign man as Andy Kaufman originally played him, be a real idiot, and try to get that person, and it works even better when it's a famous person, to say or do something stupid, to reveal the person as truly being the stupid one. The most cringeworthy thing, actually, in this movie wasn't the couple instances where that worked. There was a scene, this is a spoiler special, the worst guy in this movie was the guy who ran a rodeo. And um, he was just said some horribly homophobic things because he knew he thought that he had a receptive audience in Borat. But the most cringeworthy worthy scene in the whole movie was this extended sequence where Borat and his friend, two naked hairy men, one of them morbidly obese, fight naked through the halls of a hotel. And it goes on for... I thought it went on for about five or six minutes. Yeah, it's a really, really extended gag that had people... Gag, of, yeah. <laughs> that, that had people <laughs> gagging, um, which to me, I mean, you probably disagree, but was one of the few jokes that was milked too hard in the movie. And I felt like 
I don't know. The, the gay joke part of it worked for me. In other words, you got a problem with homophobia. Let's <laughs> shove some genitalia in your face. Yeah. But the, the fat joke part of it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Well, I think that it's the uh, to each his own taste. And to me, it's a little bit like the 360 degree rule of comedy, right? It's funny. It's funny. It's funny. It's unfunny. And then it starts to get a little funny again <laughs> just because it's so unfunny. It's like then it becomes a, an endurance test. Hey, that's Barat wanting to make people and Larry Charles wanting to make us, the audience, feel a little uncomfortable. That's exactly what Borat does. So in this case, the audience is behaving like one of his subjects, right? Borat was trying to make us, the audience, feel uncomfortable. And that's what he does throughout the movie. Slides up to interview subjects and tries to make them feel uncomfortable and maybe admit some truth. You know, as long as we're on the politics of the movie, I want to get to one more spoiler in a minute. But would you say overall that this is more an anti-American or a pro-American movie in its tone, or does that category not even apply? No, I think it does. I had that thought, actually. Okay, first of all, I, I think we need to note that this movie isn't, I, in my opinion, not as good as his TV show, because in his TV show, he got unsuspecting famous people, politicians who want to tell you what to do and how to live your life, and he exposed them often as hypocrites. So he got Pat Buchanan talking about BLT missiles. Well, Pat Buchanan looks like an idiot, and that's speaking truth to power, if you want to call it that. Well, there are no, he's run out of dupes in his character and his guise as Ali G. So... The dupes became kind of middle America. Sometimes he was playing a joke on middle America. Sometimes the middle Americans were his uh, compatriots in this. But, you know, even he, he, he goes to a road, he goes, he takes a route from New York to Los Angeles that goes across the South. Okay, that's not the most direct route. And in doing so, he goes to a rodeo. He goes to an old antebellum-type society. He even, you know, interacts with frat guys, which are idiots across the country. But, of course, his frat guys were South Carolina frat guys. So he thought he was... I thought he was trying to stick it a little bit to Middle America or Southern America. But you felt his targets were too broad and his missiles never really landed? No, I thought they did land, but I thought that... Oftentimes, people, I, I, I kind of, this is very odd, but one of my reactions was, as an American, I felt a little bit proud about what my fellow countrymen, how he was reacting to this foreign guy. Because in general, he was sympathetic to him. He would try to set the foreign guy straight. No, we don't rape people here, Borat. He would say, we don't treat retarded people like that, Borat. So maybe it was being a little condescending to the foreign guy. But in general, I thought a lot of Americans showed that their heart was in the right place in this movie. Well, I guess, I mean, when you categorize those two types of responses to Borat that the that the unsuspecting interviewee can have, you sort of see that <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen gets to satirize people either way. If they're nice to him and take him seriously, then he satirizes essentially their naivete and right. piety, right? And they're sort of... Uh, hewing to received ideas or something like that. And, you know, in the best case scenario for him, he actually lands on a real racist, a real anti-Semite, a real misogynist, and manages to expose them that way. Right. So you, so he you can't know, lose. Right. What's the best way to deal with a Borat interview? What would Sasha Baron Cohen say? Rather than just hang up the phone and not do the interview. Once you do the interview... You can't win with Borat. Well, in a way, and this this brings us to, you know, maybe we could talk a little bit about Sasha Baron Cohen, the person who's so inseparable from the, the three characters he's known for playing, precisely because he's never not them, right? In almost every interview that he gives, every public appearance, he appears as one of the characters. He's given every press interview um, for this movie as Borat. I mean, in a way, you might argue that that protects him from ever having to come clean about what his modus operandi is or, or how 
pointed his satire is. As soon as his show came to America, I was I was really into it. I thought it was hysterical. And I started looking up and doing a lot of research. And there are times in his career when he first wanted to establish the HBO show in America, he was doing interviews as himself. I guess because no one knew who these weirdo characters were and no one wanted to wanted to interview a guy that they hadn't, you know, seen playfully uh, bat around Christy Todd Whitman. So in when he did that, he he admitted some things that I thought was a little were a little interesting. First of all, he when he picks his targets, he said he always they are targets. He always wants to expose some deeper truth. So it's not just that, oh, he was happy to have Pat Buchanan go around with him. He wanted to show that Pat Buchanan doesn't know what he's talking about. He wanted to show that Pat Buchanan talks about BLT missiles when there there's no such thing. So he really has a little bit more anger than people like The Daily Show do. And his methods are a little more... An, a little more dishonest than The Daily Show. The Daily Show calls you up and they say, we're The Daily Show. And they're no longer tricking anyone, but they still mind comedy from it. Sacha Baron Cohen wants to trick you. And it will never work if you know Barat is Barat. And his film crew acts, oh, this we've just got assigned to this guy and he's really weird. And everyone acts like we don't know who this guy is. And there's a whole way of doing it, but it's all based on trickery. Which brings me to a question. Did you, during the movie, say to yourself, just kind of consider the the uh, strings that the puppet master was pulling. Did you say to yourself a lot, geez, I wonder how much the person really knows. I wonder how they set this interview up. Just kind of wondering about the mechanism of the whole thing. Oh, constantly, constantly. And I don't really have any answers to those questions. I mean, the biggest, you know, maybe the biggest spoiler special type question related to that is did Pamela Anderson know, was she in on the joke or not? And I was trying to trace that on the internet, found a lot of rumors on both sides. And my presumption is that she probably did, because I think she's too famous to get that close to. She has too many handlers to be simply chased around the parking lot the way she is in the movie. And right. I think that she must have been in on it. I think you're right. I think she was. But first point, there's, I think, no way to tell from the movie if she was or wasn't, to its credit. it really. So if she wasn't involved in the movie, Pamela Anderson's best acting job to date. <laughs> <laughs> and secondly... Um, you know, he can he could stick it to the guy who runs some obscure rodeo, but probably not to a Hollywood star. Like, that's where an entertainment um, company like 20th Century Fox would draw the line. Yeah, it seems that, I mean, the movie would really be getting in some legal trouble if he was chasing around a, a property as, as expensively insured as Pamela Anderson with a, with his bride bag trying to capture her to take back to Kazakhstan. Um, but she was quite, quite a sport about it. Um, but many other scenes besides the Pamela Anderson scene made me ask that question because clearly there are scripted scenes, right? Obviously, any interplay between, uh, between Borat and Azamat, the, the fat sidekick that he has the wrestling match with, or anybody in his village. I think the villagers were hired, right? He went to Romania yeah. to shoot on location. The woman who plays the black prostitute that he takes to the to the southern dinner. Right. Um, and winds up marrying and taking back to Kazakhstan. I was thinking it's clearly about... An, she actually plays herself. The actress and the character have the same name, but she's clearly in on the whole, the whole deal. I was thinking, I was wondering about that character, too. I mean, isn't the butt of the joke kind of on her? I mean, he introduces, so we'll spoil it, which means we think you've seen it, but... He introduces her to a genteel Southern party, and they're and they're somewhat shocked. But you know, they're shocked because he brought a uh, woman who identifies herself as a prostitute and is, you know, dresses totally inappropriately. And I just thought, I don't know, maybe it was a little mean because isn't the joke there? Wouldn't any normal person be shocked by that sort of interaction? How does that reflect poorly? Does that show the the Southerners who have hosted this foreign man as, as hypocrites? Yeah, I think that's one of the scenes where you'd have to say that he's more exposing someone's conventionality than any actual sort of 
prejudice or real bias on their part. Right. And at this point, he's put them through real hell. I mean, I think one of another of the scenes that you really watch from between your fingers is when he goes off to the to the bathroom or whatever his Kazakh version of asking for the bathroom is, and comes back with a bag of his own feces, <laughs> asking wh- where to throw it away. <laughs> Just howls of laughter, peals of laughter. Probably one of the most taboo-busting moments besides the nude wrestling match. Um, what else? What else have we got to talk about? In terms of recommending this movie, and it's a movie that seems like it wouldn't get good reviews because it's not really highbrow and it got great reviews, and the publicity was out of this world. On the Halloween parade, there was a parade of Borat, and Borat is getting booked on every TV show because everyone from CNN to David Letterman wants to show their hip to the Borat thing. Well, maybe we could end with that. Why is this so fresh to us right now? Why does America need Borat or want Borat so much at this moment? And And why, again, if he's trying to... To shock and horrify and, and expose us as hypocrites, are we all just laughing it up? No, I, I, you know, someone will talk about our place, in, and I've heard it talked about, oh, it has something to do with the, the ugly American syndrome. I think so much of the comedy actually just transcends time and place. The man gave his hostess a bag of his own feces. Funny. Just funny. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of will you enjoy this movie, it's, uh, my opinion, not as good as the best of Borat on the TV show and there is no moment that comes close to the throw the Jew down the well bit because in that bit it's funny in and of itself but the way the people react can to you the talk bit, about what that bit is uh, Sasha Byron Cohen as Borat goes to a southern bar again and says oh I'd like to uh, sing a song for open mic night and he starts his song and he says that in my country there is problem and the problem is transport throw transport down the well very cleverly starts with transport as the problem and the audience doesn't quite know what he's doing but the song has a little catch and then he segues into the second verse and in his country there is problem and the problem is the Jew throw the Jew down the well and eventually the whole crowd is singing along throw the Jew down the well they cut to a woman making little Jew horns with her fingers like air quotes not to be believed funny because it's a funny song funny because it tricked the people into singing things that either they do believe or don't believe but one of those transcendent moments of comedy and this movie doesn't come close to that but Again, I laughed. Well, maybe I should note, in case people's appetite is, is whetted to watch Throw the Jew Down the Well, that the entire Ali G show is being played on HBO next week to, to coincide with the movie. So if you get HBO or HBO On Demand, you can you can easily dig it up. I'm sure you can also find that very famous song on the web somewhere. I think YouTube was somewhat created to show that song. So, Mike, thank you very much for joining us for this Hi. late spoiler special. High five. <laughs> <laughs> very nice, very nice. And uh, I'm Dana Stevens for Slate.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.